Konnichiwa, friends, and welcome to episode 23, like Jordan, of Critical, the history of pro wrestling video games. I'm Mongo, joined as always by my co-host and the guy who actually puts the legwork into recording it at the show, Liger Busa. How are you this week, buddy? Pretty good. It's been, uh, I took a few days off work this week, so <laughs> it's been a fun week. It's uh, less stressful, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I had a nightmare of a week at work, so I was, oh. I was glad I had yesterday and today off. Oh, man, like, I'll never understand how the corporate level of retail stores works, like what their thought process is. But corporate decided we needed to be getting things shipped to us a certain way, which makes my job so much harder than it needs to be. And there there were multiple points on, like, Friday where I was, like, ready to just turn my equipment in and go the fuck home. I, uh, but I gutted it out, goddammit. I got paid uh, this week, and I was like, you know what? I'm not working this week because they they offer um time off because it's like a, a low volume time of year. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was just like, fuck it, I don't want to work this week. It's bullshit. So I didn't. And uh, <laughs> ne- next week I've got a few vacation days. It's my mom's birthday coming up. Oh, Fun stuff. Happy birthday to your mom, obviously. Indeed. Thank you. I uh, so I requested double or nothing weekend off, and for anybody wondering, we're not talking about that this week. That game. Nope. Not doing it. Not talking about any news, because there is none. No, um, there really isn't. But I, I requested Double or Nothing. Yeah, seriously, there's not. Like, we could talk about Pilot 61's animations or whatever, but I'd rather I'd rather not just, like, kind of Mad Lib run down, like, a 20-second video and pretend it's, like, newsworthy. And I, yeah. I don't mean to minimize, like, indie devs posting like showcase clips but like if our news segment was just like us fumbling through like three 20 second videos i'd rather just wait until we have like multiple of those videos and we could just do like a five ten minute segment on that shit yeah i agree but uh so starting this friday i do a seven day stretch ending on the 25th so that'll be fun but i get four days out and I also I requested off the day before and the day of Street Fighter Six's release. <laughs> and I have like a four-day weekend coming uh, the middle of June. And I requested Forbidden Door in the next day off. I'm not going to be doing a lot <laughs> in June, so no. uh, safe to say. Yeah, this week we're talking about uh, a game that many have been conflicted on what the title actually is for basically my entire time in the pro rest gaming community. Officially, the game is titled Zenion Pro Wrestling, Oja no Tamashi, All Japan Pro Wrestling, Soul of Champion. And my evidence for this has always been, one, I've had multiple Japanese friends uh, translate it for me. And one of them said, I don't know why they translated it the original way. That doesn't make any sense. So there's that. Two, there's a slipcase for the game that literally has Giant Baba on it. Like he's the only person on it, on the front at least. And if you just stay at the start screen for a second, you hear a remix of Giant Baba's theme song, which is called Oja no Tamashi. But yeah, for like the longest rock, time, the if you look the game up, oh yeah, it whips ass. It goes hard. For the longest time, it was translated as Oja no Kon, which King of Souls, I guess. But like Oja is also used, even in contemporary Japanese wrestling, it's used in place of champion. Even if you took like the translation with Oja in that context, it's still like Champion of Souls at that point, essentially. So, is it really any different? I don't think so. Mm, no. But we finally got the correct title on a 
We finally got the correct title on GameFAQ, so we won the fucking war, boys. And I actually asked Sonny Bone, who I have not done the obligatory mention of in what feels like months at this point. I asked him once why the mistranslations existed for so long, and he was just kind of like, I don't know. It's just people ran with the first translation or something. You know that people still call I am paraphrasing though, right? him. I don't have the... Like, yeah, I noticed that one King of Colosseum server has it like Soul of Champions slash King Soul. Yeah, one but of those I, is correct. The other I, you're just holding on to. I was looking up some, um, you know, trying to look up the game some more, and I still found posts on like like Reddit and other places that were still calling it uh, King Soul. You could argue like I'm just nitpicking, but it's like it's like if somebody called fucking like. No Mercy, WWF, SmackDown, No Mercy. Like, no, we have the, the correct titles literally right there. You you just call it WWF, No Mercy. Or you get the people to call it WWE, No Mercy, and those people should be on a fucking federal watch list. Is all I'm saying. This game was developed and published by Human. And contrary to what I thought before we started this, this game predates Fire Pro G. Oh, does it? Um, I didn't even think about that. I thought it was the other way around. This comes out in May, I'm sorry, April of 1999. Fire Pro G is, I believe, June or August. Oh, God, it's it's June, and it's, oh, no, June 24th. I mean, they didn't know what was going to happen on that day eight years later, but fuck me. Wasn't if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what happened on June 24th or that weekend in 2007, Google it. I'm not going to explain it to you. Uh, what a, this is not the time nor the place. What a run for like all Japan games because I think like two months later, Giant Ground was released, and like the next year, yeah, the, the in, same year, in the next year, Giant Ground 2000 and Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Like holy shit, what a list! Yeah, I. What do you, what do you think the deal was? You think so, like uh, I, you've got to assume that with Sega, like Sega, like was promoting their shows like they had they had the sega saturn logo on the ring mat and stuff so i'm guessing they signed an exclusive exclusivity deal with sega for their specific consoles but i wonder what was with the other companies where they were just like okay we'll just sign with you for playstation and, and nintendo 64 or they had exclusive exclusivity based on console or what the case was I, it's honestly probably just they were making deals. Like, if you look even, like, two years into the future from when this game comes out, there's no exclusivity. They're working, like, these companies are working with any company that wants to pay them money. Yeah. But what a... I, I think it was just a deal of, like, Human approached them, and then Aki approached them, and we're like, hey, want to make a video game? And it was also probably, like, New Japan had the deal with uh, Tomi. Right. So they might... That that might have been an exclusive deal because Tomy's the only company that makes New Japan games for basically years and years and years until King of Coliseum and All Star Pro. What a fantastic deal, though. Well, I no, because um, they had you know multiple games on different consoles. All that felt different. Amazing um, deal that they got out of this. So this game was kind of a black sheep when I yeah. got into the pro res gaming scene like on fire pro club and like digging deeper into the boards on game facts i did not know this game existed until late 2005 i just happened to come across like oh there's an all japan game for the playstation and it's super rare and it, and it was it was very hard to come by and i ended up getting my copy on ebay for like 14 dollars i um rare doesn't always mean expensive is I, the important thing to remember i believe i got this game in 2000 just a burnt copy 
someone sent me like a burn copy of this like champion wrestler talk on Ratsune 3 for like a videotape I don't remember what the videotape was maybe it was like world pro wrestling from Japan like a master of that but um yeah and I did not understand this game at all at the time I was a kid that never read instructions and just like dive right in be like I'll figure it out and this at the time wasn't the game that I ever really figured out to be honest I, I can see that. It seems like uh, once King of Coliseum came out, this game might have might have yeah. been a little bit easier to decipher. Yeah, there was never conventional wisdom around this game that I remember seeing. Like nobody, nobody said like you don't need to play this game; just play KOC. It, nobody or, really, like you know, the, like maybe that that game. Like back in the day, this game wasn't really brought up. Like I don't remember anyone really talking about yeah. this game too much. It would be like, oh, when KOC came out, it'd be like, oh, okay, so this is like. This is a predecessor to KOC, but no one was like, no one was like, go out of your way to play it. No one was saying, don't play it. It just didn't get discussed a lot at all. Yeah, that's kind of my memories. Like, there there was no discussion. It was the black sheep. It was the yeah. nobody talked about it game. So I got it. And I was like, oh, okay. This, and this, this is like 14 year old me just going, oh, okay, it's PlayStation 1, King of Coliseum. And then picking the game up, what is it now? 17 fucking years later having not played this game since probably 2012. This is not just KOC on the PlayStation 1. This this game is very, very different. The core grappling works the same way that it does in KOC. Um, you'll actually see if you play this game or watch a video of it, you'll see a ton of animations that are still in KOC 2, which that tickled me. Yeah. They, they didn't abandon the animation library. The grapple clutches, all of them literally just wind up in KOC red and green. They do reanimate them for two. We'll talk about those games you know, in, in the future. So to explain the gameplay, you have square X and circle are your strikes, weak, medium, strong, like fire pro to grapple. You hold the R one button and you press triangle square X circle or a combination of triangle circle or square and X. When you grapple your character will lock up and then they will immediately drop their, like, it's hard to explain this. Uh, they'll, they'll immediately like kind of squat and that's when you press the button. Um, the timing in this game is not nearly as forgiving as the sequel, not nearly as forgiving as King of Coliseum 2, which is, but funny. when you're in the grapple, it's funny because a lot of the complaints from people were that the timing in, in KOC one and two was very difficult and it's so much harder in this game for certain grapples to figure out when exactly you're supposed to press like the pump, the power bomb animation yeah. is so fast and the, the power slam pickup too. It's just like, I always feel that cause I just don't know. I didn't have a problem with the power bomb clutch. Every time I accidentally did the full Nelson clutch with Kawada, I like that, that was getting reversed. Cause most of the other ones, like after a while, you can kind of figure out the tell of when you're supposed to press the button. Right. My brain never presses it when I see the tell coming the full Nelson clutch, like, no, if you're facing Gary Albright, you're getting full Nelson suplex. Oh, yeah. You're fucked. Yeah. There's definitely. no way around it. When you're in the grapple itself, squares uh weak move, X is medium, circle is strong, triangle is also a strong move. You can hit L1 with one of the power move buttons to do a powerball move. But as we'll talk about in a second, you don't want to use your powerballs in this game. It's the opposite of King of Coliseum, where you might feel empowered so to speak, to use the power balls. There's no stamina system in this game in the sense of like you knock your opponent down and you hold L1 or select or whatever fucking button to regain 
stamina but if you kick too much ass your character will just hunch over yeah which drove me up the fucking wall super annoying um and and it's one of the thing i I said this to you on discord there were flaws with this game that when i was a teenager i kind of overlooked because like ah whatever it's it's like it's not meant to be exactly like koc this is the first game playing that now there is nothing worse than when you're in a tag match and you hit like a power bomb or a nodoa otoshi and you're about to go for the pin and your character stops to take a breath you and your opponent's up. partner comes in and fucking drills you with like a yeah you you're completely fucking powerless and um there's also points where like you'll get hit with a move and you'll get up and you'll still be selling and the ai can just keep hitting you with moves for like minutes on end in game time and you'll still be selling no matter how much you button mash uh wiggle the analog not the analog the d-pad there was like a four minute in-game period in a tag match yesterday where i was just selling and i was like you know know what game this doesn't happen in fucking king of coliseum yeah that's true because if you're stunned and your opponent hits you once you get up and you're fine KFC doesn't loop you into fucking selling animations. And I know that I'm comparing this to a game from three years later, and I'm trying my best not to, but, oh, man. There's there's so much frustrating stuff about this game. The, the paused, like, t- there's no clear, like, de- like the, there's nothing uh, that demonstrably makes the, oh, boy, I'm sure winded right now. There's nothing that makes that end quicker. And there's points where, like, you hit the power bomb and you want to go for the pin, but then your opponent's already up and they're hunched over kind of selling. So you have to hit them with another move and hope that the game doesn't decide, okay, they just get to get up now. It, it breaks the flow of matches in a way that's like super unnatural. And I can't, it's like SmackDown versus raw 2006. That game stamina system was borked. You do like four moves and you have to take a breather. Right. But it's like SmackDown 06. If your stamina is on like half the entire, like if the game glitched and you had half stamina, the whole match, it, it's so frustrating to deal with. Also running strikes in this game. Don't bother. Cause there's like a lag between you running and pr- like the run animation. When you press the button, unless your opponent's stunned or the AI just stands there like a dumbass. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get drilled with like a grapple or like a counter strike and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. It's so goddamn frustrating. Frustrating is a word you're gonna hear me say a lot in this review, by the way, because that's the, the, this game is not. How do I put this? When you see human as like the publisher and developer of a game, you expect a certain level of quality. This game does not hit that quality like standard at all. In like any fucking way, except for like the rip-off theme songs and some of the face textures, which are amazing. Like I don't think it does songs. anything else better than the sequels. The theme songs. Oh yeah, no, the th- the fake themes rule. Yeah, like uh, Thunderstorm Tenru's theme sounds almost exactly like it. Hayabusa's theme is really good. Yeah, they all sound like superb, way better than KOC. Yeah, well, KOC was like, they had to jam more audio tracks in the yeah, game, and they needed true. them to be lower quality. Here, it was fewer tracks, so you could get away with it a little bit more. The Powerball system is in this game, which, for those who are unfamiliar, in King of Coliseum, the sequels, and this game, the characters are uh, divvied out Powerballs, basically relative to their position on the card. The top guys will have four, the, like, basically all the Gaijin and, like, the mid-card guys will have three, and then, like, the super low card guys get two. These in the later games are used solely for like big moves. 
in this game, you can burn a power ball to get out of a submission or a pinfall. And you can, you can hit that L1 button and kick out before the one count. Like I, I did that so many, like Gary Albright hit me with like three full Nelson suplexes in a row. And I was like, yeah, motherfucker, pin me. I, yeah. I dare you to pin me. Boom. I kicked out and immediately tagged in that way. Yeah, I did um, that as well. As I, as I the, said earlier this week, it's more about draining your balls than anything. Yeah, that's... So in King of Coliseum, the strategy of the match is whatever you want the strategy of your wrestler to be. If you're playing as Kawada, obviously, Stretch Plum is going to be a focal point of your attack. Powerbomb, the Gamagiri, especially the Gamagiri, because I think Kawada has strike criticals in KOC. Or he does in KOC too, maybe. No, he hasn't in Fire Pro R. I might be wrong on KOC. In this game, because these are like a get-out-of-jail-free on a pin or a submission, you kind of don't want to use them to do power moves unless it's a case where your opponent has no power balls left. And it's super easy to cheese the AI. Like, yeah. I hit like six Gamangiris, three head kicks, two power bombs, and the crowd's already chanting along when I pin the opponent. And that's also the cue. When the crowd's uh, chanting along, they're counting along with the pin you know the AI is about to burn power balls. And once they're out of them, hit them with a fucking strong grapple or even or even a medium damage strike. I did Kawada's like standing big boot and pinned like half the people I fought in fucking MVP mode. It takes all of the strategy. And I, and I understand like I was playing MVP mode and typically in like story mode, you just want to beat the fucking thing to get mm. whatever the unlockables are. But I found myself doing that in the exhibition matches before I even played MVP mode. I found myself I never doing it. Played like that in KOC. I to me it wasn't on purpose. Like <laughs> it's just I, I you know you get to the point where you you like okay this is going to be the finish or close it so I'll pin my opponent drains a power ball okay that didn't work I'll pin him again drains a power ball you know it wasn't something I did consciously consciously sorry I can't speak um, but it just happened because that's the way the AI works. It makes the game really frustrating to play because like there's deep moves like the movesets in this game are insane again it's the predecessor to king of coliseum which has like the deepest movesets in any wrestling game you're ever going to see right this game has similar moveset depth but when it's like i don't need to use like 90 percent of my moveset i can get by with the high kick the gamangiri the fucking big boot and like a power bomb what incentive do i have to explore my moveset beyond that the game doesn't incentivize me actually you can hit strong grapples like a minute into this match. Can you, and like consistently, can you think of any other human game or spike game that allows you to do that where you can just hit the circle grapple as many times as you fucking want throughout the match? Mm, not off the top of my head. Maybe Blazing Tornado, but I don't even know about that. And that's an arcade game too, but well, fair point. True. I don't want to shit on this game because like I love the games that come after it and I, I love All Japan from this era and I love the roster, which we'll talk about in a moment because I haven't run down the roster yet but when i when i played this game again i couldn't help but be like if you look at all of the licensed all japan games from this era this is the worst like by a mile and i used to think it was the best <laughs> and i don't i don't know if that was because i was like well it's it's the fucking predecessor to king of coliseum therefore like based on the merits of what comes after it it's the best playing the because Admittedly, I didn't get a ton of time with Giant Graham 2. We got a little bit with 2000. Obviously, I play VPW2 religiously. This game does not touch those games on a gameplay level, 
it no, nothing from this era touches giant gram on like a presentation level except all-star pro but this game this game's presentation is actually not bad though one minor quip and i swear to god i'll talk about the tag matches because i already hyped that up on twitter enough every match is in nippon budokan every match i if there's a if there's another arena in this game i don't know how to access it um no the only difference is there's I think like no detail to the earth the the first arena um the first ring anyway is like a blue apron the second arena is like a red apron and the third arena and you're right they're all budokan the third arena is a wwf ring with humans take on an attitude our logo which as i said to you in discord i think this is the only game where they've where they attempt that because even like the other games around this time period the logo in the game's closer to like the wwf block logo i, yeah. I wonder why they, i guess maybe they put that in because because wwf had sort of a bit of a working relationship with all japan even though yeah, like, like the later part of 98 they sent Wyndham and bradshaw over yeah even though like or was they, that 97 i think it was 98 um even though like the edits don't represent that in the game itself, like there's not a lot of WWF in, in the edits. There's only like what Bret Hart and Terry Funk's more like a, an eighties version. Um, and then you've got Vader and, and Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. And Undertaker as well, but there's no like huge WWF representation or anything, but it's like, it's one arena base with like texture swapped rings and yeah. there's like no detail to the arena. It's mostly a black void. I was thinking about this maybe that was partially in service to making sure the game could run at like a decent frame rate. But then I thought about it and I'm going to make somebody mad with this. Maybe probably they won't say anything to me about it. It'll they'll, they'll just say it to you. I'm sure. But I, I started thinking about the games that like we've really shit on that were like PlayStation one games, mainly the ECW games. And the only time I ever remember like a frame rate stutter in one of those games was like in like one of those like gauntlet matches when the game would have to load the next person coming right. out. Yeah. There's frame rate drops all over the place in tag matches in this game, which I'll get. I, I, I got to I finish talking about the presentation. I'm sorry. Um, every match starts with the shot of the Japanese flag, but because there's no ceiling texture in Budokan, it's just like in it's in like the black void. Like it's in outer space. Um, they do a good job making it look like with the Chiron, the uh, graphics. They they could do a good job of making it look kind of like all Japan TV or a commercial tape. And I do like the backstage cutscene of a young boy, usually Masao Inoue, or who wasn't a young boy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanimaru is one of them. Uh, Monokea Mossman, Tayokea, I've also noticed they'll run out before your character walks out. Um, they do have Ryu Nakata doing ring introductions. There are streamers that kind of fly in and fade immediately, which that's obviously that's understandable. It's a PlayStation one game. You can't keep that much shit on screen, but I think VPW two does the entrances better. I think giant Graham has the best Ryu Nakata introductions just because of the sound quality. The sound design in this game is not great. It, but that's like a recurring problem with human and spike. The sound design usually kind of sucks. The fake themes are great, but like ring sound isn't great. Commentary commentary is probably the high point of the audio package, if we're being honest, because it's 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 serviceable, which is more than you can say for a lot of PlayStation One wrestling games. It's it's certainly not mayhem in terms of the quality. Uh, you do have Giant Baba on commentary, or somebody doing an approximation of him. No, it's, it's definitely um, 
definitely Bob and they reuse his lines for the the KOC games uh, after his after his death, which is interesting. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. Um, the regular commentator they have with him doesn't match KOC in terms of and I hate them doing that again, but still um, doesn't match the audio quality in terms of matching the action. He's very like monotone. Yeah. Whereas in King of Coliseum, it sounds like a Japanese wrestling television broadcast. He's very much the same in, in Giant Gram as well. I don't know the commentator's name, but uh, Yoshinari Suji was always my favorite anyways, like a, a New Japan fan, and he's fantastic in KOC, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's amazing. Yamazaki does pretty well in KOC too as well. Oh, yeah. Mitsuo Momoda's also there. Um, he's an old man. His daughter is not to to hear my Austin <laughs> impression in that game, however. So, roster-wise, this game is set... I, I mean, I'm kind of comfortable in saying it's set, like, late 98. There's the select screen split up into two sections, one which is the native talent, and the second menu which you access by pressing down is the foreign talent. On the Japanese side, we have Giant Baba, Mitsuharu Misawa, Toshiaki Kawada, Akira Tawe, Kenta Kobashi, Junakiyama... Takayo Omori, Tom Honda, Masanobu Fuchi, Yoshinori Ogawa, Hiroshi Hase, Siyoshi Kikuchi, Satoru Asako, Mighty Inoue, which I think is probably supposed to be Masao. I'm pretty sure it's Masao. I didn't pay close. I never got deep enough in this playthrough in the uh, the native side of the select screen to know for sure. Was Mighty Inoue wrestling? He wasn't still. He was a referee at that point. That's got to be Masao Inoue. Yeah, it would be Masao Inoue. Why do they write that? That's the thing we were talking about before we went on. You look at like fucking create a wrestler list or uh, edit mode head list or like roster list for these games, and motherfuckers just put shit there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Balls Mahoney's head is not in Fire Pro Advance. Mighty Inouye is not a playable character in this fucking game. I don't think he's an an edit. I'm, I'm glad I stopped and thought about that for a half a second. <laughs> You've also got Juno Zumita, Kentaro Shiga, Yoshinobu Kanimaru, and as an unlockable, who I did not unlock. Jumbo Saruta, or as he's listed here, Jumbo Surata. The rock. And you boy. know what's funny? People who list him like that usually refer to Misawa as Mitsuhara Misawa, but no, they, they got the U on the end of his hmm. name here. Interesting. And then on the Gaijin, Gaikokujin, White Boys, for the most part, section of the roster, you got Vader, Stan Hansen, Johnny Ace, Gary Albright, Johnny Smith, Gianto Kimala, and Monakea Mossman. Again, Taiokea. Can we go um, through the edits as well? In terms of the roster. You want me to? I will. Yeah, hell yeah. There's edit templates in this, much like King of Coliseum. And some of them are split up into like American power. And then you look at the um and then like the four attires will all be different wrestlers. So American power is and I'm not going to verify the authenticity of one of these names because it would it makes no sense that he would be in. But Steve Williams, Scott Norton. Oh, it is Kevin Sullivan? It is, yeah. And Ted DiBiase, the High Flyers uh, has Hayabusa, Dark Side Hayabusa, Sabu, Great Sasuke, Jinsei Shinzaki. For some per- for some reason, just has four attires. Uh, American Brawlers has Bruiser Brody, Terry Funk, The Undertaker, and Terry Gordy. Giants has Andre, Young Andre, Harley Race, and Antonio Inoki. And as my co-host found out, if you just if you use the edit template without adjusting anything. Um, Inoki will be giant sized because he's in the giant slot. Yeah, he's fucking huge. Um, Yoshihiro Takayama has two slots that are just himself, but he is also Bret Hart and Yumanisuke Ueda. <laughs> Fuck. 
there's a shoot fighters group that has Masahito Kakihara, Daisuke Ikeda, Nobuhiko Takada, and Kazuo Yamazaki. There's Jado and Ghetto. Allegedly, one of Jado's attires is Masachi, Masaki, I'm sorry, Mochizuki. Yeah. Um, one of Ghetto's is allegedly Wing Kanemura, which you took exception with. Yeah, because I didn't. You said you didn't think it was. The, what, well, the problem is with the item mode too is that you can't zoom in, so you can't get a real good look at people. But it didn't look like Wing Kanemura mm. to me. Like the attire was like shorts and like uh, blue shorts, blue top, and like yellow flames. But I think that's just because that's the way Ghetto's attire sort of set out as as well with black and red. So they just use sort of the same attire but like edit in a different way. I think that's actually Bam Bam Bigelow because it looked like a white guy with a goatee. So that's what made the most sense to me. Yeah, no, put it that way, it makes a lot more sense. Um, there's a WAR, not war, it is WAR. Mm. Uh, slot that has Tenu, the second slot. This person did not know who it was, so I have no clue. Um, Ashurahara and Fuyuki. Okay, see, now I have, to, I have to complete the MVP mode with like one of the B group guys, because I gotta have Fuyuki. It doesn't um, look good. Oh, uh, never mind. Uh, there's a super heavyweights group that has Abdullah the Butcher, one slot that is meant to be both headhunters, so I guess you just make the same guy twice and there it is yokozuna and big boss man which you sent me a picture and it's clearly big baba it's not yeah big boss man. the only the only thing boss man about is that his his pants actually have a stripe down the side instead of the yellow boss man stripe it's a, a red stripe but um for his like top he's got like a white shirt and suspenders so it definitely looks more like big baba um yokozuna actually has green tights with the uh, white, what do you so call it? WrestleMania, the arcade game. Uh, what you... Mawashi. Yeah, so that's that's white, and his tights are green, and he's got like some sort of writing on the the Mawashi as well. So um, it doesn't look exactly what you'd want Yokozuna to look like. But Abdullah looks. Perfect. We have a Tiger Mask. We have a Tiger Mask group that has Tiger Mask Two, uh, Eddie Guerrero, Black Tiger, or Black Tiger Eddie Guerrero, um, Tiger Mask One, and for my money, the highlight of this whole group, uh, Grand Naniwa. We have um, Gaijin Fighters, which is uh, Bart Gunn, Dynamite Kid, Mike Awesome, and Ken Shamrock. There's a masked fighter group that has the Patriot, Wolf Hawkfield. That's that's not Wolf Hawkfield. This person... Uh, it's it's um, not? Okay, well, here's the thing. This person also wrote Super Delphin as Spell Delphin. Yeah, Spell, spell Delphine is how I, I read it as... Um, and then the last one is listed as Tudor, whoever the fuck that is. It, to me... Just based on his attire, look like Liger. Like he's not wearing red. Why did he just write Jushin Thunder Liger? Well, he's he's not wearing like red and, and white. He's wearing like blue and white, and like the mask doesn't look like Liger, but like the gear sort of does. So I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that more. Um. Then we've got a Keiji Mudo slot, which is Mudo, orange pants with a beard, Mudo, and the Great Muda. I'm reading the descriptions as they're written at this point. Fuck it. Um. Yeah. We have Riki Choshu. I have to, I have to, I have to read this as written because it's it's too funny. Uh, blue pants, gray pants, Funaki shooter, and Atsushi Onita. <laughs> That's uh, Funaki yeah, shooter. I'm hoping just means Maskatsu Funaki. It is, yeah. Uh, we have comedy fighters, which honestly is just old dudes. It's Haruka Egan, <laughs> Kengo Kimura, uh, Mitsuo Momoda, and then in the last slot for some goddamn reason, it's ha- uh, Tatsumi Fujinami. The funniest one of them all. Um. Yeah, yeah the, the the guy when I think of like uh, Japanese comedy workers, Fujinami, the <laughs> yeah. super straight laced technical wrestler. That's that's the guy. Uh, there's another Gaijin fighters slot which has the Destroyer, 
which I think is his final appearance of any sort in any of these Spike and Human games. And also, that might be his first appearance since the Super Fire Pro 3 edit book. Super weird he's in this. Uh, Dory Funk Jr. and then the Road Warriors. And then the final slot is the big dog himself, not Roman Reigns, uh, Shinya Hashimoto. First attire is him in blue pants, and you, we've seen this. We saw a video of it. It's basically a perfect Hashimoto, but instead of black and red, it's blue and white. Actually, yeah. kind of looks pretty cool. For some reason, um, they did the same thing with attire, um, with him and Choshu, which was just change the red to blue. Or sorry, the black to blue. That is weird, yeah, because Choshu's first attire is listed as blue pants. Um, yeah. The other three attires are allegedly Kuniaki Kobayashi, Willie Williams, and Hashimoto. <laughs> I'm assuming it's just another big Hasha tire. It is. Did you yeah. get to see that one? Yeah, it, it, I think it's just like another shade of blue, actually. The incorrect colors. Yeah. Mm. So in the preset move sets, which this is this is where it gets interesting because a lot of the names I just read they don't have move sets. Yeah. Um. You you of course have the default roster, but interesting. I'm just gonna point out some of the interesting ones. There is a Bret Hart attire for Takayama in that edit slot, but there's no Bret Hart move set. The Undertaker does have a moveset, but Bret Hart doesn't. It's interesting. I don't see a Dory Funk Jr. moveset, but a Terry Funk moveset is here. Yeah, and you have to choose a moveset. The Headhunters. It's it's off these guys. Why would I even want to create them? Yeah, yeah, no. Like, so many of these guys just don't have a moveset. Like, in the Fat Dude slot, I'm sorry to put it that way, the Super Heavyweight slot, the Headhunters have their own moveset, and Abby has a moveset. But Bossman and Yoko don't. So are, are you meant to just you meant to just give him Jumbo Saruta's move set? Because that's what I would do. I, I guess. Because fuck it. On note of the roster, it was very weird to me, and I understand now because a friend of mine kind of pointed it out. There's Doctor Death is an edit template, but it's also he'd been in the WWF for like a year. He comes back to all Japan a few months, like what is it, like five or six months maybe after this game comes out. He's back in time for early 2000. Mm-hmm. I know that because he teams with Vader. Takayama not being on the default roster, but Satoru Asako being there is like Very a strange. real head scratcher, especially because in uh, MVP mode, which I'll talk about momentarily, in MVP mode, you fight no fear. And Omori is in the game. <laughs> what? Okay. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, the, uh, no. The the Takayama too. You mentioned that he has two different attires. The second one is like in a skinnier um, UWF style Takayama. Really? Yeah, that's cool. The same head and everything. That's but you really can see cool. So like, this the body's a bit different, and he's got like he's got the black wrist tape, but he's got like a bit of a white too. Sort of like UWF eye. Yeah, that's just the real the only difference. So that's like the final appearance of UWF. I Takayama in any of these games too, because he sure as hell doesn't have that in like KOC. That's no. just big boy Takayama. Yeah, and, and like MME. Very interesting. Takayama, yeah. Shout outs to the Don Fry fight. Oh god. One of these days we're talking about both Pride games, and I want to cover those separately because the the Japanese exclusive Pride game is a much different game. Yeah. Than. Uh, what we got here i actually like the american game more for reasons i'll get into when we cover those games yeah so mvp mode is like the game story mode i did not know this as a teenager but you can actually just look at like what your schedule is in mvp mode it's like the third op it's like right above the save option you can just scroll through and see every match you're gonna have for the year 
And the final match, at least playing as Kawada as a singles match against Giant Baba, I did not make it there. The tag matches drove me. I didn't talk about the tag matches, did I? Okay, fuck MVP mode for the moment. Tag matches in this game and battle royals, because those are four-player um, matches, have a critical flaw in that the frame rate goes to absolute fucking shit. Did I already talk about this? I feel like I did. I don't know. No. I'm going to talk about it again. I no. don't care. Tag matches obviously are a big part of all Japan Pro Wrestling. They literally have the Seikai Saikyo Tag League. And you play through a little bit of that. Like It's not like VPW2 where you play the whole league. Like I was just in a bunch of tag matches and then I celebrated with the trophies. The frame rate will go to absolute dog shit in these matches. I know you said you didn't really have any issues. I'm wondering if that's an emulation thing. Because I had frame rate drops in every tag match I played, regardless of the size of the models. Hmm. I noticed it was worse though when I was facing like Vader and Hansen or Albright and Kimala. That's that's what I did. I, I like, played um I played Dynamite and Johnny Smith against Jado and Ghetto, and I didn't notice any difference. But then when I noticed uh, a bit of a, a sort of lag and frame rate drop was when I had like Vader and Hansen against like I think it was Giant Kamala and uh, Gary Albright. I was saying this to a friend yesterday because I, I literally I was on the phone with a friend for a few hours and the the game came up because like I was talking about like doing my prep for the podcast. I was like, I've never experienced like frame rate drops this bad. And he was like, what about no mercy? And I was like, no, dude, you don't get it. Like the worst the worst frame rate chug in no mercy is still infinitely more playable than this because no mercy isn't. No Mercy in the Aki games, by and large, are not contingent on timing. It's just press the button, get the grapple, press the button. This game, you have to press the two buttons to get the clutch, and then you have to hit the button again. And when the frame rate goes from whatever the default is down to, like, 12 frames per second, it it doesn't feel very good to play, and you're also going to drop most of your grapples. And that was a big part of my... Uh, frustration and discontent with this game was how fucking difficult the tag matches are and how much you have to just plow through them in MVP mode. Like, regular one-on-one matches are still the drain the power balls, win the match kind of thing, but in the tag matches, the opponent partner AI will just come into the ring, and if you're hunched over because you kick too much ass, or you know, you get up and you're still selling and it's, you know, four minutes later, you're going to eat their fucking, their strong grapples. You're going to, you're just going to eat offense. And I, I could never figure out how to trigger my tag partner coming in. For me, it just seemed to be random. Yeah. That's like, after a while, I I was like, okay, I pressed, I pressed every button I could and they wouldn't come in. Sometimes the AI would be really good about coming in right before I was about to get like fucked really hard. The rest of the time, Towie just stood there on the apron, like a dumb (laughs) fuck while like, Hansen came in and just started whipping ass, and it's like, well, I don't know what I expected from him. But the the AI in tag matches is fucking brutal. Um, to the point, like, they don't come in for pin saves. They come in to fuck you up before you even attempt the pin. Tag matches in this game suck. They're terrible. It made me think about tag matches. And tag in, matches in, in most wrestling games aren't very fun. No, but they're they're all better than this. I wouldn't say there's, well, I mean, you had frame rate issues, but I wouldn't say there's, there's bad as the, the modern WWE games where, like, tag matches go on for half an hour because they're constantly just, like, breaking up pins, and unless your opponent drags them to the outside and works on them, it's just going to happen continuously. 
Um, so for me, it wasn't that bad. So but... that's actually what happened in this game. Oh, really? Okay. So it wasn't that bad like, for me, but... I had I had matches going like 28, 29 minutes game time, and they only ended when Tawei fucking threw my opponent's partner to the outside, and I hit a lariat to win the match. Or like it a might... big boot or something. It was... It may be just because, like... I, I just... I'm so used to the WWE, WWE games, that's why it's... That's why I think of that as like the most frustrating thing, and this one is still, you know, I've just only been playing it for like the last week or so, so it's still, it, it's not like WWE where I played every year and it's like, oh, they haven't fixed this shit, you know? Yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't deal with the. Um, no, they're not great. I couldn't deal with the shit. No, so MVP mode's the story mode. Uh, it's all in Japanese. There's no translation guide. Like Fire Pro G has a translation out there. You can kind of follow along. Not this game. Uh, at points, you will be asked to pick a tag partner, and randomly, Vader's response to me the entire time in this mode was just, you're kidding, in English. Hansen had, like, some katakana and then no kidding, but I couldn't pick either of them. <laughs> Misawa refused to team with me until deep into MVP mode, so I was like, ah, fuck it, Super Generation Army, let's get it back together. It's a slog, but like I said, you can basically hit the schedule gimmick and see every match you have in front of you, which kind of, in a way, makes the mode more of a pain in the ass to get through. Because once you see you've got four straight tag matches to go through, and then you get one singles match against Mossman, and then it's two tag matches, you kind of just go, I'm going I'm to get to Mossman, I'm going to victimize Mossman, and then I'm done. Yeah. Because I have to record the podcast tomorrow. I'm not playing this anymore. There are exhibition matches, obviously. Singles, tag, uh, battle royal. Those are uh, basically it. I don't think there's. Uh, I don't think there's five on fives. I didn't notice anything beyond those. Um, I know there's a tournament mode because, of course, there is. Uh, Champion Carnival, Real World Tag League. There's edit mode. You can unlock the ability to defend titles after you beat MVP mode. Looking at this now, the rings are meant to be All Japan 1, All Japan 2, and then US Black Ring. So I'm guessing the red uh, ring apron one is supposed to be like mid-90s All Japan, where like two of the ring skirts are red, two of them are blue, kind of denoting the sides of the ring, instead of having just the split canvas like they had previously. That's right, yeah. You can toggle the, you can toggle the announcers off and on. You can only have Baba on if the other commentator is on which i think that's kind of how koc works too yeah that's right uh computer level only goes up to eight like koc basically all the same match options you would expect like uh you can change the count out the time limit not a lot of depth but it's also it's an all japan pro wrestling game they're not they're not going to give you um they're not going to give you like a crazy amount of options i did not play the champion carnival uh you could not pay me to play a real world tag league in this game. Uh, that that's too many matches with too many frame rate drops and too many times where my blood pressure gets to an unhealthy level. I did not try the edit mode mostly cause I forgot this, this fact existed that kind of had like a little bit of a little bit of a translation of edit mode. I want to go into it a bit more and see, well, first of all, first off, I'm going to have to load the save back in because for some reason I went back into edit mode after taking those screenshots and then half of them were missing. So I don't know what happened there. But I want to go back into it and see some of these movesets like Sabu, for instance, and see if there's any anything specific for him in this. I uh, He does have a moveset listed, by the way. Yeah, so, yeah. It's moveset 46. It's hard to quantify how I feel about this game. 
because I, I want to be nice about this game, but the more I talk about it and the more I think about playing it yesterday, I kind of feel comfortable saying this isn't a good game. The more I think about it, like, especially when you compare it to what comes next, you know? Yeah. Um, there's also this frustrating thing where like, and, and it happens in KOC, but it's easier to correct where like, say you go for a grapple and your opponent like, m- like sidesteps, it moves behind you. If you press the strike, your character will just throw the strike in the direction they were facing. And to try to turn them around feels like you're playing fucking resident evil. Like you've got tank controls on. It's not like that in KOC. You just like, you just move your character real quick and you're, you're back in business. This game does have the R2 puff out your chest to block a strike thing. You can also counter strikes. I had a lot of my kicks countered by the AI. That's another thing. The AI in MVP mode goes to fuck you difficulty like real quick. It should not have taken me as Kawada like 18 minutes to beat fucking Jun Izumita in my second match. You were talking about like it's a Resident Evil style stuff. And I did get these um, situations where like I would get up and then try to grapple my opponent, and I would just grapple the air because my opponent had already moved by the time like the input recognized what I was doing. Mm. And yeah, and then I had to turn around, and, and then that was never an issue with King of Colosseum from what I remember. Certainly not as much as it is in this game. Also, the collision detection's fucking horrible in this game. Yeah, it's not great. Do you know how many uh, tag matches I won while my opponent was standing there stomping at the fucking pin? Like, uh, hardcore revolution after you hit the glitched even flow with Raven. Well, I noticed that too because you talked about like Taiwei was your partner. And he, he was my partner in the tag matches I played, and like it seemed like ninety percent of the time when he came in and tried to hit the opponent, like he just couldn't. He would fail every time, and then I'd get my yeah. shit kicked in. Yeah, the the collision det- and I people they're gonna be like, well, it's a PlayStation One game. You know what PlayStation One game had good collision uh, detection? Relatively SmackDown. You know what PlayStation 1 game had big, detailed arenas and could handle four characters on screen? SmackDown. Fucking acclaimed could, too. I never... I've never seen, like, a later-era PlayStation 1 game that looks this bad, because it does. Like, the graphics are not great. Even for the standards of the time. Like, Attitude looks better than this game in some regards. I've never seen a late era PlayStation One wrestling game that looks this bad, runs this bad. Fucking Backstage Assault doesn't run this bad in a well, lot of situations. I'll say that I I didn't really dislike this game. Like I understand the frustrations with it, but for me, a lot of them were. were I, I, I dislike the tag matches. Yeah, the tag matches I didn't spend a lot of time on, to be honest. Because when you talked about how bad they were, I'm like I'm gonna avoid those. But like I said, I did play them and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see any uh, frame rate drop, really. But, like, I get it. Like, it's not it's not like anything you're seeing is wrong. It's just that, I don't know, I can't get it out of my mind that this is the first step of what would come. And, and then I think I, I sort of, I'm easier on it that way. Like, I'm not judging it as if it was a game that came out in, in 1999 and I'm playing it for the first time. And I'm not judging it as, like, a, I don't know, how do I put this? It's like you're judging it as the first piece of a series you really like. That's that's yeah, that's it. Because like KOC two is like my favorite my thing game is, of all time, right? Uh, yeah, it's it's the perfect wrestling game. I'll put it this way because it the rule of three applies to this uh, series too. Right. This game's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater one. 
that by and of itself, as much as I've shit on the game, if you look at this game as a game that came out in like the spring of 1999, it's still not like great. The tag matches are about as frustrating as the Acclaim games. I'd rather play the Acclaim games if I had to play a tag match just because I know the frame rate's not going to drop. And that's the only time you'll ever hear me say I'd rather play an Acclaim game than a human game, <laughs> I promise you. But presentation-wise, it does well. I mean, its presentation, I don't think is... It, it's about on par with Tokon Retsden 3, but I'd still give Tokon 3 the, no, uh, the nod. I'd give Tokon 3 the nod overall, just because 60 frames per second mode for singles matches and the gameplay doesn't drive me nuts in tag matches right but by and of itself as a game released in the spring of 99 it's not a it's not a horrible game it's not a like great game it, it exists it exists in the middle of being better than thunder and nitro but not being as good as smackdown it's it's kind of in that dead zone. It, it's it's mayhem that's what it is it's a game that has like good presentation for the time i guess goodish graphics i think mayhem looks better and it's, it's got all right gameplay it's about it, soul of champions probably better than mayhem but it exists on like that same level of like it's not a classic but it's not complete dog shit hmm. if that makes sense yeah backstage assault does run better in some of those backstage arenas though and there's no fucking excuse for that um backstage assault's also singles matches only isn't it so like I don't even want to think about four-way matches in Backstage Assault. I'm sorry I said Backstage Assault did anything better than this game. It's just the more I think about it, the more frustrated I grow. It's it's a good game, but it's it's Tony Hawk 1. You play Tony Hawk 2, you have no reason to ever play Tony Hawk 1 again. You play Tony Hawk 3, you have no reason to ever play Tony Hawk 1 again. Like, it, it's the... Tony Hawk 1's the game that, like, you... You go, like, oh, you know, I kind of want to fucking skate the warehouse again, or school, or the mall... Honestly, any of the levels after that kind of suck in Pro Skater One. If I'm being completely honest, it's like you throw you throw the game in, you try to do a manual, you try to do a revert, and you're like, "Oh, right, we we've come a long fucking way since this game, huh?" And then you don't play the game for a few years until you have to teach yourself that lesson again. That's what this game is. It lays a lot of foundation for two all-time classic, technically three all-time classic games to come before it or come after it, but. By and of itself, when you compare it to what comes after, there's no reason to ever play it. When you compare it to the contemporary games of the time, remember, Fire Pro G comes out two months after this game. Tokon Redstone 3 was already out. If you were like an import gamer, you had no reason to buy this game unless you were like a big All Japan fan. And to your point, people didn't figure this game out at the time. This would have been an incredibly frustrating game. Like, even in 1999. The only reason that I was able to play this game when I first got it in 06 was because I knew it was PlayStation 1 King of Colosseum. If I didn't know that, I would have never touched this game again. Right. So I, I, I get it. Like, in, in the context of its time, it would have been incredibly frustrating if you couldn't read the fucking instruction manual. And 24 years later, it's incredibly frustrating because I know what comes after it and I know what, I know what this gameplay style could be. But it's not it's not bad, but you also have no reason to... L listen, all of these guys are in fucking KOC Red and Green, pretty much. And they're all either licensed or edit templates in KOC 2. You don't have the late 90s All Japan ring with the NTV shit on the apron in, or ring skirt in the KOC games, but you have the split canvas ring and you have the mid-90s All Japan ring. Also, if there's you're no, like, There's no reason to play this game. If you're if you're playing on, on emulator, like the the NTV rings already being modded into the game, so 
You've got I actually that, saw man. that this morning. Yeah. I think, yeah, so... What wrestlers do you lose? Like, if um, Big Boba and Sabu are two that come to mind through, like, the, the KOC Sabu's games. not an edit template. Well, Sabu's an edit template. I'm talking, like, if you look at the default roster, like, the bone stock roster, mm. you don't lose any of these guys going into fucking KOC, I'm pretty sure. Johnny Ace, but he's Johnny And I mean, Ace. most of the edit templates are still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you don't get Johnny Ace. But he's and, an edit uh, template, is he not? He is, and so is Gary Albright. Um, you lose. Yeah, so there you go. There you lose Johnny Smith and KOC too for some, but they still put his jacket in the game, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's a little, a little strange. I just, it's an interesting piece of wrestling game history, if nothing else, because like there is a King of Coliseum style game on the PlayStation One. But like, do I think it holds up? Absolutely, the fuck not. I, I, I had like relatively no fun compared to like. I, I sat down with Giant Graham 2000 for the last episode and had a blast. Right. I sat down with this game and wanted to chuck my PS3, uh, my PS2 through a window. Like, I, I keep trying to rationalize calling this a good game, and I just, I, I come so close to just being like, no, it sucks. I just didn't have that experience. Just it, like, it, like, I'm, I'm not gonna say like, like I had a tremendous amount of fun, and the tag team matches were stupid, but it, it didn't frustrate made that much i don't know i just just felt like you should have played mvp mode you'd, you'd yeah. be in the boat with me if you played mvp mode. oh i i when, when you were that, talking about thing. it i was like when you said i'd rather play the acclaim games i was like i ain't touching this shit Are you kidding me and i know what these <laughs> I, and I genuinely like and i know what these modes are right like i i i, I i've grown to hate like story modes and wrestling games unless i feel like there's a purpose to them and just playing a bunch of matches one after the others. There's no purpose to me. Yeah, the beat everybody win the title stuff, especially yeah. by like 1999, is so like so tearing. Yeah, because like, I mean, WrestleMania 2000 at least had some cutscenes. The first SmackDown kind of had some cutscenes to give it a little bit of flavor. SmackDown 2 had actual story elements. No Mercy is like a literal fucking branching choose your own adventure kind of thing. Like and I'll it, play those story. Mo- well, maybe not No Mercy. But I'll play, I'll play like the SmackDown, you know, shut your mouth, here comes the pain story modes. I'll play those all day. Those are an incredible amount of fun because it's not just matches. This game's literally just matches. And when half of them are tag matches with frame rate drops and frustrating AI and just, no, fuck that. I feel like the excuse there could be that because it's Japanese, it's more in-ring based, but not really because you've had games in like the Fire Pro series with story modes and stuff. I was about to say, literally two months later, Fire Pro G comes out with like this super like you, you yeah. can follow along with it because there's a translation guide, like a super deep story mode. Exactly. This yeah. is just it's more frustrating than it is bad. I'll put it that way. But some people can also interpret frustration as making a game bad. I right. don't know. If I if I just played exhibition matches, I might be a little bit happier with this game. But I was like, you know what? I want to play MVP mode. I'll I'll gut through it. I'll figure out how to navigate the menus. And I was rewarded with like the most frustrating fucking gameplay that I've experienced since I had to do prep for fucking Thunder. Jeez. I was so angry playing this game. And I don't like being angry at like wrestling games. I like wrestling games. I, I I'll, I'll get loud and be over the top about how bad I think some of them are. And I haven't yelled about this game at all. So that should probably tell you everything. 
People who saw what I said on Twitter might be expecting me to yell and scream about this game. I'm not that mad about it. I would have been if we recorded yesterday, though. This whole I would have had to have been rushed to the hospital for my blood pressure yesterday. It was it was not good. But it's not a bad game. It's just an incredibly frustrating game. It's not a great game. I struggle to call it a good game. Like if if you really want to play like a late '90s pro rest game on the PlayStation, Tokon Three, yeah. Fire Pro G. Yeah, you don't absolutely. need to touch this game. Even if if you're if you're a huge fan of all Japan Pro Wrestling, two Giant Graham games and VPW two, all three are worth your time much more than this game. I would just say, give if it you're a, like a super world morbidly just, curious, yeah, you see, see like the genesis of like, of King of Colosseum. Like, even if you don't spend a lot of time with it, yeah. It's if like, you're if oh, you're a huge KOC fan, this is where it started. Yeah, if you're a huge KOC fan and you have the morbid curiosity of wanting to see what the PlayStation 1 version is like, it, it's it's worth playing probably at least once just to appreciate how great KOC Red and Green are. Right. I think I said this to you yesterday. K, like This game to KOC Red and Green is like the single biggest improvement I've ever seen in any video game series ever. Yeah. It is unbelievable you've got how much better the game got in like three years you've got to think like they recognize their flaws i mean obviously they did and and really want to work yeah and also it is a late playstation one game but like i said to you you know you know what's another late playstation one game that was like fast and fun and granted the slower gameplay is probably half a compromise to the hardware right but also the koc games are still slower too it's meant to be realistic but like I, I'll go back to it forever. SmackDown 2, no frame rate drops. Crowd, the crowd fucking animations are like super fast. The arenas are big and detailed. I just don't understand how this game has the performance issues that it does. But yeah, yeah. The the next the next go around, we're going to be talking about a much better game using a lot of the same gameplay principles as this. There is one frustrating thing about KOC Red and Green. It's it's like a really weird one too. And anybody who's played those games is going to probably nod along when I say it. It's not like a bad thing. It just doesn't make me angry. It's just one of those like, oh, God, thank God they fixed this in KOC2 kind of things. But yeah, overall, don't play this game. You don't need to. Unless you want to see where the series begins. But you can probably just watch a YouTube video and kind of get the flavor of what this game is. Oh, oh, actually, before we move on from it, I do want to shout out that that guy that um, we found on, on YouTube who we saw all the edits oh, from. Oh, yeah, uh, like Define Media Project or whatever. Yeah. He I has, like, a fucking full-ass, like, e-fed in this game. He's been running it for, like, years, too. And uh, I think it's Twitter's uh, AJPW game. And his YouTube yep. videos... He, he just announced uh, a day or two ago, like, Champion Carnival participants, so he's, he's still doing it. Yeah, and he does commentary for all his uh, YouTube videos, and he's, he's pretty good at it, so give him a look. Yeah, if, you, if you're gonna look up yeah, videos definitely. from um, from this also, game, look up his videos. Yeah, you'll see the edit templates like the Undertaker and the Road Warriors, uh, Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid. There's a lot of them in his videos. Yeah. It's it's very cool. It's how that's how we ended up seeing a lot of them before you got that save to work. That's right. Yeah. Um, Undertaker looks insane in this game, by the way. Like that's it's so funny. Uh, Bret Hart looks terrible though. <laughs> yes, he does. I I would. I would assume FTR and CM Punk would not like this game very much <laughs> um, if they saw what Brett looked like. We we can do figure talk. I, again, I, I don't feel compelled to talk about fucking Fight Forever. Oh, there's, I don't. There's, there's nothing. There was the Mike Straw article. Yeah, it's a Mike Straw article. 
it's he it's, acted like an asshole on Twitter, and I don't have the energy for him. I mean, basically, all there is to say is like it's the same thing. It's like tease of of news, and then nothing ever really comes out. The promotional materials are done, which we fucking knew months ago. There's yeah. your there's your news update. I'm not talking about it any further. Figure talk. So recently, I discovered a page on Instagram now home NYC. One one phrase. Uh, they run a website where they sell Japanese wrestling figures. And they also have like a preservation museum where they write these like exhibits, these articles about like the Carapro figures and the little gumball Eugen figures. I noticed on their site they had the they call them Carajos, the G.I. Joe style Carapro figures from like 01 and 03. They had Antonio Inoki, which is like my big bucket list figure at this point in my life. I've got most of the other ones that I've I've kind of pined for. That was that was one that I didn't have. And I bought it. And these are like G.I. Joe scale figures from 03. And the only piece of articulation they're missing from the elites is the ab crunch. Like he has the bicep cut, he's got the wrist cut, the thigh cut, single jointed knees as opposed to double, but you know, what are you gonna do? What was their Instagram um, again? Super uh now home NYC. Okay. There's also foreign objects. Objects spelled OBJX. They sell a lot of like how Carapro, also the Eugen figures. But I got the um the Inoki, and then I got Maskatsufunaki and Chono because I already had Choshu, Maeda, Liger, and Tiger Mask. And I have to tell the story. So I bought the Inoki, and I was watching Dynamite with my friend on the phone. This was uh, a week or two ago. And halfway through Dynamite, I just decide, fuck it, let's watch Pride Fighting Championship. But before I get to that point, I was like, I'm going to go find my Liger and Tiger Mask because I don't want to have Inoki on the shelf by himself. So I go into the room that like just a lot of my action figures and shit are sitting on the floor because try as I might to say I'm going to eBay, most of them might end up not doing it. And I go into like the little red crate that had my Hasbro's in it. And like I find the Kara for or the Mogura house, rather, Tamon Hondo and Kobashi. I find, you know, um, Black Trunks, Kensuke Sasaki. I don't find my, my carriages. And I tear this fucking room apart. And I'm like, where would they be? And then it dawns on me, I have a tub in the back of my closet that has my Jazzwares UFC figures, some starting lineups, and my Jacks UFC figures. I've looked everywhere else it makes sense for these fucking things to be. If they're not in there, then they're gone forever, and I'm going to have to spend $100 a piece to get them back. Mm. I fucking clean... And it's one of those things where like, I would have to pull two tubs with a bunch of shit on top of them out of my closet the WrestleMania 25 promotional chair that I got for buying the pay-per-views <laughs> and then all of the stuff off of the tub in the back of my closet. Right. That's too much work. I, I just took all the shit off the tub in the back of my closet and picked it up and carried it out to the living room, sat it down, opened it and right on top were my Ada and tiger mask. <laughs> and then um, I was like, okay, so if they're in here, Liger has got to be, and I found Liger. And then like, as I was picking Liger up, I flipped over the Jacks Antonio Rodrigo Noguera pride figure. So that's on my shelf now too, because I forgot that I had it. I love that figure. That is such a tremendous figure. Um, that Jacks UFC line had so much potential, but they overestimated, I think, the um, the potential consumer base. Oh, yeah. They were selling the, uh, the, ring. the ring was selling for super cheap at um, like a department store here, like years ago and they were selling that that was when they were selling the dvds for like five dollars a piece as well or maybe less 
that so as far as i can tell that ring only got released in canada oh really yeah i was talking to somebody who was like a big jacks ufc guy and he was like you notice how the like you never see a version of that ring that doesn't also have like french on the box and i was Hmm. like oh yeah no that's that's yeah he's like yeah it basically super northeastern united states and canada are the only places that got that ring oh nice i've still got mine which is why that ring's like it's on the shelf that ring's like a hundred dollars in the box now minimum i actually had two of them like I, I bought two for some reason one was thrown out when my parents moved but the other one i've still got it looks like a cool ring the ropes are blue i don't understand why no they're they're white i think they're blue on the box but the ropes aren't, aren't they blue on the box they are on the box but on the the ring itself they're white interesting so i've never seen one loose i've only seen it in the box yeah they should have done a freaking real scale ring I don't want to think about how much that would cost on the secondary market now, but like you think about it, they had the pattern for the turnbuckles because they did the Rocky ring. They would have had to have told new ring posts though. That's probably, that's probably what the bigger issue would have been was having yeah. to, to make actually, new ring posts to accommodate four hooks instead of three. I think that that store was actually selling like the octagon. Yeah. I got an octagon as well. Octagon and pride ring. Like all that UFC stuff went for super cheap. Um, was years ago now i saw the real scale octagon at toys r us in lima ohio the day after over the limit 2010 and was gobsmacked by how big the ring box was like just looking at it i was like if you turn this box sideways it would come up to my chest and i'm (laughs) six two it's just gigantic i wish i would have bought it now because like we're not getting that from jazz whereas that line's fucking dead yeah but it comes down to, like, MMA doesn't skew young enough to where an action figure line that's at mass retail makes any sense. And while action figure collectors are, um, the, the average age is increasing, the kind of people that watch UFC probably don't think action figures are cool. Like, even if you showed them, if they were, God forbid, a Conor McGregor fan, and you showed them the Conor figure, they probably wouldn't want to buy it, even though they like Conor McGregor. No, I don't think so. So that line exists in the weird middle ground of like all by MMA figures, but like how many 10 year olds are going into fucking Walmart or target or wherever those figures drop and going, Oh, I want, you know, the, the Jorge Masvidal with the BMF belt. How many, how many parents are buying that for their kids? Actually, if, if your kid wants a Jorge Masvidal figure, you're probably buying that for them anyway. True. But, but like, it's, it's one of those things where, in 09, when that Jax line started, I was like, it's going to be really interesting to see where this line is in three years. It was dead in three years. Yep. And you know what still burns my ass about that line to this day? We were going to get Pride Don Fry before they they canceled all of the waves and did the two Kmart exclusive ones. We almost got Don Fry from Pride instead of the fucking like UFC 96 figure we got, which I hate. Did they and granted, not- simple hand swap, simple repaint, but... I thought they were really, okay. So they I didn't. think the only pr- the only pride figures I remember were Randleman, Shogun, uh, Minotaro Nogera, the O3 Pride Grand Prix Vanderlei, and that one Rampage exclusive. I'm uh I'm looking at the unreleased Dawn Fry right now. Yeah, it's got the. Uh, oh, do you have a picture? I've never actually seen the prototype. Yeah, let's see if I can find it. I, I lost it again. I know he was supposed to be in the same set as uh, Chael Sonnen, which, if you think about their political leanings, is hilarious. Mm. Um, 
two peas in a pod that way. But um, I was so mad they canceled the Chael Sonnen figure too because I loved him. He was hilarious. Like you can you can say a lot of things about Chael Sonnen. The thing about the Nogara brothers trying to feed a bus a carrot is fucking hilarious. What? One because it's like so cartoony and over. Oh yeah, you you've never heard that? No. So when he was really like shitting on all the Brazilians and saying a lot of stuff that was like not even just flat out kind of racist. He said when um, he fucking first came to Las Vegas, the Noguera brothers were like, they thought a bus was a horse and they were trying to feed it a carrot to like kind of say the Noguera brothers are stupid. The first time I heard that, I like I howled. Did they actually release that Kevin Randleman? I guess they yeah. did, right? Yeah, that Randleman sat at my Kmart for like two years. Oh, God. Rest in peace, Kevin Randleman. Tremendous fighter. Uh, I wish I would have bought that figure. It's like 50 bucks now in the box. And as soon as I get like some financial stuff smoothed out, I'm, I'm going after that figure and the Shogun. I hate that I, I hate that I fucking let those sit at Kmart forever and didn't buy them. I wish it was just more bright stuff. Yeah, I, you can do the WEC stuff, and that's great. I don't know. Like, who's buying that shit? But like the pride stuff, because the packaging looked cooler, and I hated when they changed the like the second style packaging, that was like flatter and it was like a completely different shape. I didn't like that. I like the original packaging because I think it looks nicer. Yeah, it looks more like you know a a collectible. And I've also been thinking about like those round five figures a lot lately because I have a George St Pierre that I got at Kmart, and I was basically my. My mentality was, if I'm going to buy one of these things, I'm going to buy GSP, because I was a big GSP fan. But now I look back, and, like, their Vanderlei Silva, the Pride one, is, like, basically just the Howl Pride Vanderlei. Oh, those are, like, the, the minifigures? And they're, like, uh, they're like a little bit bigger than the Hasbros. They're, like, the cartoony sculpts. Right, right. And, like, the Brock Lesnar looked really cool. Um, I remember the Gina Carano one was a really big deal back in the day for some reason. Ugh. Yeah, uh, Randy Couture is in that first series too, and I actually have the Jax two pack of him and Chuck Liddell. That got recalled because uh, turns out Jax didn't actually have the rights to make Randy Couture. I also have his Build and Brawl figure. Oh my god, they made a Dana White. That yeah, he was a ringside exclusive. Jesus Christ! And he's Rogan. a fucking ruthless aggression style figure too. Good God! I. I'd still like to get the Rampage that came with like the diecast Pride belt and the diecast UFC belt. I'm actually looking at that right now. That looks that looks pretty cool. Such a cool figure. But my uh, my hunting for the Carapro figures also led to me asking uh, around if people had a Bob Sap because that figure sat on high spots for years and I just didn't buy it. And that's like the story of my life at this point because there's so many figures that applies to. They they had like a Bob Sap that had like a red. He had like red fringe shorts on. It was like Bob Sapp from like one of the variety shows he was on. Yeah, they're on um they're on Yahoo uh, auctions all the time. Yeah, I, I want like the regular one because I have the IWGP crown belt and I kinda if, if it'll fit the figure, I'd love to have that on the Bob Sapp. Yeah. Well uh tremendous, tremendous worker. Uh not mechanically good at all, but incredibly fun to watch. I actually watched him in Nakanishi recently, and that is that's such a great match. Yeah, I I kind of love Bob Sop. Sop time was a great song. Bob Sap ruled, man. He he did the fucking he did the beast bomb, and him and Mudo had that sweet Doomsday Shining Wizard. Oh, what the, they almost killed D'Lo with? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus. D'Lo D'Lo gets fucked up taking a lot of stuff because he um 
I guess he got hurt when the headbangers were like originally like trying to figure out how to do their move. I, I guess I guess D'Lo was like the crash test dummy for that. <laughs> Poor D'Lo. Shout outs to the headbangers. We were potentially getting figures of them soon. Yeah, but they won't have any like licensed t-shirts or anything, and that kind of sucks. No, they'll have they'll have like a generic headbangers shirt, like the um the unreleased classic superstars ones. Yeah. That was a revelation when those things were were uncovered. Like, oh wow, we we almost got CS headbangers. And then my immediate reaction after I saw them was like, would anybody have actually fucking bought this? Like, I understand now it's been a quarter of a century. And people kind of just want to fill out the rosters. So, like, obviously, the head, th- those guys are great candidates for that Monday Night War line. I mean, there's so much you could do with that line. I just thought about that. They'll actually do that is do anything that you, like, think of. No, it's, it's going to be street gear figures of the top guys. That's you all know, it's going to be. You know those the, that Bob's Up figure you mentioned with, like, the made by Panasonic? It's got Panasonic huh? on the back of the box. There's like dancing sap, and the other one it's cut off, and I can't make see what it says. And then it's ben Benkai sap. The front says digger, and on the back of the box it just says Panasonic. Real quick, as an aside, I'm looking at that picture of the UFC figures you sent me. Yeah, that Uriah Faber gets released, repainted at Kmart in uh, like 2011. And that GSP does too. Hmm. That John Jones is in the last wave. I can't tell who the guy in the top left corner is. Is that it's not um, Shale, is it? Oh god damn it. What's his name? I know I'm thinking of someone and I can't remember his name. Shit. Anyway, it's not gonna be. You come can to see me. here that GSP, Don Fry, this mystery guy, and John Jones all have the same torso too. Shout outs to Jax. Has there been any significant I know Zombie Sailor showed off the Paul Roma. Yeah, which looks again looks Really good. Um, that was his big update for the week. As far as everyone else, I mean, Rush now was just showing their Nosferatu, and it's like nothing wrestling right now. Mattel hasn't showed off anything for a while. Hastel has taken pre-orders for the Godwins now, which, from the pictures that he's seen, I think look really good. But, the you know, the previous figures didn't look good. The Ahmed didn't look good. The Godfather. And those figures haven't even come out yet. You know, he's still on on pre-release for everything. So while I like the way the God ones look, I'm not gonna think about purchasing them when the previous figures in the line didn't look very good, and they're not even been in people's hands yet. I think a lot of these companies have gone too far with the pre-order model. Oh yeah, for sure. People tried to dunk on Zombie for like two exclusives in a series being up for pre-order, but uh. He made sure one of those exclusives, actually, he made sure Series 1 and I think one of the exclusives were at least in route by the time he put Series 2 up. Oh my god. I, I'm i going to have hmm. to, I just saw something that I'm going to have to send you. Sorry. Alright. No, you're good. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Look at this shit. What the fuck is that? It's a Bob Sap mask. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's a little problematic. Yeah, I'd say so. Just a little bit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, too many pre-orders, not enough product. And also, like, Rush Collectibles taking shots at Zombie. Like, fuck you. Like, dude. I, I 
that's a company that's you know something I was excited about was that ECW line. I mean, that could have changed with the final product. I was just about to mention like, them. Where are they at? Yeah, exactly. But like the idea of them continuing that line, that's a really neat idea that I would love to see. Um, nothing about that anymore. Nothing at all. So I would love to see it if he could get like Kid Cash. Yeah, he is the um, or like Rhino. Character products. Uh, Bob Sapp is on um, Yahoo Auctions for ten dollars and forty six cents Canadian. Mm, Seven sixty three US. It's really hit and hit and miss That's of Yahoo Auctions. Cool like I showed you the link of the ones that I was bidding on the other day, which was like a whole bunch. And they were going for like a ridiculously cheap price, and then then the next thing I look and it's like two hundred dollars, and I was like, "Yeah, gonna have to not buy that." I felt so bad when you told me that because like fifty bucks for what you were gonna get was would have been crazy, ridiculously good. Yeah, but it didn't like that Brody me. by itself. Yeah. Oh, not figure related, but we're talking about Japanese wrestling, so goddamn it, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. I, I referenced. A few months ago, the Keiji Muto Blu-ray sets that were being released by Tokyo Sound Production, which is New Japan's DVD house. Um, the final one of those is Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout. And late Friday night, early Saturday morning, the content listing for this came out. And I audibly at 1.30 in the morning went, oh my fucking God, they actually are releasing the retirement show. <laughs> which I should have I should have known all the, t- the time, right? Because it's... The blue, blue uh, Blu-ray is literally called Pro Wrestling Last Love Hold Out. Right. There's no reason they're not. There's no way they're not going to drop the show. But the runtime is fifty five zero minutes shorter than the Wrestle Universe replay. But I'm assuming that just means entrances, entrances are cut. Yeah. Um, which it would suck not having Mudo's entrance, but they they play the final countdown for like two seconds. So right. You don't want to get sued for that. And they had Lenny um, Hawk doing the matches his are complete, as well. Yeah. I wish she did the uh, the intros for Okada and Kaito as well. Yeah. I'm I'm stoked that it's being released in HD because I don't have to go and with all due respect to the tape traders and the bootleggers making the the community still run in that way. I when I pre-ordered that, I had my fingers crossed, especially once I saw the card, we were going to be getting an official hd version of the show and we're getting an official hd version of the show mm-hmm. um also on the give me a second i'll run i'll run down the fucking match listing of the first disc i don't give a shit i just have to go to the new japan dvd site and kind of oh, now my computer wants to run like shit this this laptop's like 11 years old i have no reason to still be using this one primarily but here i am using this one primarily um God, what a beautiful fucking cover that thing's got the outer box is it's literally just a shot of mudo walking out at the dome with like the big stage behind him it looks so fucking cool um i ended up getting this for kind of a steal because i waited until cd japan sent me both of the big box sets so i had like 2800 yen that i could just basically i got i got fedex shipping for free how much was it? it um like after after I used my points and shit, it was like seventy bucks. Okay, well, give yeah. or take. So for the for those of you keeping track, that's like six hundred and thirty dollars across the three Mudo Blu-ray sets. Yeah. And my logic, my logic about buying all of those was like, I could wake up dead tomorrow. At least I'd still have these things coming. 
<laughs> you know, if, I, if I'm here long enough to enjoy these things, then that's great, too. Um, disc one from All Japan Pro Wrestling, you have Mudo's 20th anniversary match with Mudo and Misawa facing Hase and Kensuke. I have not seen this match since high school. So seeing it in HD, I'm very excited. Um, Muda versus Tajiri from August 2006. I haven't seen that since high school. Uh, Suwama versus Muda for the Triple Crown. Again, I haven't seen this since high school. Uh, the Wrestle One 2013 debut show with Muda and Muto and Bob Sapp against Rene Dupree and Zodiac. That's on here. Uh, for some reason, Muda and Tajiri versus Abyss and Kazarian is on here. Uh, yeah. Um, Muda and Seiya Sonata is on here. And then from Noah, you get all of the Muda retirement road gimmicks except the Nakamura match because WWE wasn't going to allow them to release that. No. But the, the, part of me wants to be a smartass and say the only reason you'd ever want to release that is the post-match because that's like the one thing anybody's ever going to talk about again. <laughs> it mostly, mostly I just want to see Twitter get really mad at like a 60-year-old Japanese guy again. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, we've got to cancel the great Muda. Shut up, bro. <laughs> You're not canceling Muda. Shut up. And it should also be noted that Muda said that, not Keiji Muto. That's true. We're not canceling Muto. Just Muda. Keiji Muto actually loved. Can't believe they put Misawa. him. Said he was a very yeah. handsome man. Yeah, he did. And and you don't you don't say love in Japan. I've I've been told um, you don't say you love something unless you actually love it. So there you go. Um, also on disc one, you have Mudo and Kaito Kiyomiya from Nippon Budokan last summer. Tremendous match. Uh, very, very good match. Uh, you also have Keno, Manabu Soya, that piece of shit, and uh, Tadasuke against Great Muda, Great Okan, and Nosawa Rangai. <laughs> what a fucking match. <laughs> what a fucking match. Um... For also from September, uh, Keiji Muto and Kazuyuki Fujita versus Masakatsu Funaki and Katsuhiko Nakajima. That sounds kind of neat. I did not see that match last year, I don't think. You also get Muto, Kojima, and Ninja Mac for some reason against Marafuji, Jack Morris, and Hayata. Okay. Um, Muto, Marafuji, and Yoshiki Inamura, which is crazy because I was told four years ago when Inamura wrestled Fujita that his career was over, and yet here he is. Hmm. Um, against Tanahashi, Makabe, and Honma. And just looking at the names involved, I don't see this. Even with Tanahashi being kind of fucked and Honma not being what he was like seven or eight years ago, I I don't see that match being bad. Also included, and I'm really excited about this, is the end of Nightmare. Muda, Sting, and Darby Allen against um, Hakushi, Akira, and Marafuji. That was a really, really fun match. It's a shame the entrances probably aren't going to be included. <laughs> Maybe Muda's will because he just walked out to um he just walked out to Muda, which New Japan owns. Yeah. So we'll poor, see. Poor Hakushi. And then just, obviously the second the shit disc. kicked out of him in that match. He was in for like the majority of the match. Yeah. Yeah. It, th- that was that was a neat little match. It was cool seeing Darby Allen in that setting. It was really cool seeing Sting and Marafuji in the ring for the brief period they were. When Marafuji chops him and Sting no sells it, that was oh that was great. Yeah. Um, the second disc is obviously pro wrestling last love and noted here, the dark matches, all three of them are included as, along with the rest of the show and the actual main event, which was uh, Chono versus Mudo. The total runtime is 579 minutes. Uh, the first disc runs 327 minutes, which is what five and a half hours. That's probably more than enough time for everything on disc one. So I don't think anything's going to be clipped. 
And disc two runs for 252, which is just over four hours. It's like four hours and 12 minutes. It's crazy I can do that off the top of my head, but ask me like a basic story problem and I'm going to need a pen and paper. <laughs> um, I think bell to bell, I would have to look it up. And anybody who's followed me for a long time on Twitter knows I will straight up find a time calculator and add up every match on a disc to see if there's any chance. I think, like, I think I ballpark it in my head, and that's more than enough time for all of the matches on the retirement show. Mm -hmm. uh, the set releases June the 30th. CD Japan will probably ship it to me the 27th or the 28th. Because I actually got the Muta final bye-bye set, like, two days before it came out. And I think I got, um, I actually got the Muta set the day before it came out, too. Because CD Japan just ships it when they get it in. And they get it in, you know, a couple days early. You wouldn't think, you know, like Tokyo to fucking small town Ohio could get done in like 36 hours, but buddy, it gets done in 36 hours. It's <laughs> insane. Um, I, I can't wait to see all of that stuff in HD. I hope New Japan keeps doing these legend sets. Last year they did Takata, um, Sayama, and the first uh, Mudo set came out last year. So for 2023, we've got final bye bye in this. I would love to see a Hashimoto set. I'd love to see a Chono set. Uh, you know, at this point, I take um, whenever Okada's 20th anniversary is, if they want to do an Okada 20th anniversary Blu-ray, I'd love to see That'd it. Be cool. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. They did a Shibata 20th anniversary DVD a couple of years ago where they did not reveal the match list until the, literally the day the DVD came out. And it became like an inside joke with uh, some former friends of mine on discord like oh, hey hey ricky they they revealed the shibata match listing yet and i just be like fuck you <laughs> <laughs> no they haven't they haven't um i gotta get that dvd eventually it's still kind of cheap it's like 60 bucks and it's in a lot of ways it's not stuff that i don't already have in hd on like bootleg sets that i got from like tape traders but having the official release of the katsuyori shibata dvd I think I think that's probably worthwhile. I actually have the Makabe 20th anniversary DVD because the bloodbath with Nagata from 07 is on there. Yeah. And I've probably I've probably told the story on here before, but when I got it, uh, that was the day I had my wisdom teeth taken out at you know the age of 26 because there's no better time. Um, and I remember telling my mom that day, like, you watch, they're going to drop an IWGP complete box this year with this fucking match in HD and complete. And then they did. And it's on my shelf. Uh, New Japan's Blu-rays have been fantastic. I wish Complete Box was complete. They don't have any of the Naoyo Ogawa or Brock Lesnar matches. There's a ton of matches that are clipped, especially on set three, which covers 95 to 01. Like, how do you cram five and a half years of a title into three discs and not have a bunch of truncated matches? But, yeah, I, I want to see more Legend sets. I'm glad they did Inoki. I think Fujinami's 50th anniversary was last year. Would have been nice to have gotten a set for him. I want VOP, the company that was doing the Noah and All Japan sets, I want them to come out of hiding and do a Kobashi Blu-ray and a Masawa Blu-ray and a, a, a Kawada one. And, a, and you could do Everyone. like Tao and Akiyama too. Yeah, seriously. There's, there's so many guys that we could get quality upgrades because like fucking until that uh, Three Musketeers, Four Pillars set came out. We didn't have an upgrade of six nine ninety five. The Holy Demon Army Super Gen Army tag. Mm -hmm. We now have that in DVD quality, and it looks amazing. We have Kawada and Gary Albright, which only existed in VHS transfers in DVD quality. It looks amazing. 
all of the stuff on those Mudo and Muda sets that's like upscaled, they look fantastic. I don't have to watch like shitty VHS transfers anymore. They're just they're just there, upscaled, and they look incredible. So like the more of that we can get, and especially with the IWGP complete box sets, there's matches from 2003 and four and five and six and seven that are they're not letterbox or pillar box nothing they're full 16 by 9 widescreen high def copies of these matches and it's so crazy watching like 2003 new japan in that quality and that aspect ratio it's it's so insane uh bob sap and kensuke from 04 th- that's just that exists widescreen hd because of iwgp complete box uh the makabe nagata bloodbath well, the first time i saw that and i've said it on the show a bunch i'm sure it was in such low quality as like watching a snuff film seeing it in dvd quality was like oh this is even better because it's it's clear you watch that match in hd and it's like a fucking religious experience so yeah i'm i'm excited for that mudo set i i really hope we get more that's uh having having good quality footage of like these guys especially as time goes on is more important because right yeah imagine if we never got Imagine if we never got like New Japan World streaming in 720p with like some of the newer stuff they've uploaded that was old. We'd still be dealing in like fucking shit quality caps of this stuff. So to have the Blu-ray sets is is great. And I know I got on my soapbox for a little bit right there, but I I'm really this is like one of the big things for me this week was that uh, Pro Wrestling Last Love is getting an official Blu-ray release, and it's it's going to be great. Um, anybody who hasn't seen that show, sign up for Wrestle Universe. The main event alone, well. The Mudo and Naito match and the main event, they're they're worth it. Um, that show was a love letter to the era of Japanese wrestling I love. And if you're listening to the show about a 90s All Japan game, it's probably the era of Japanese wrestling you love too. Um, but that'll probably, unless you've got something, that'll probably do us for this week or this time. Do I uh, have something? We'll be back in two weeks with... Do you? No, <laughs> I was trying to think if I have anything. Uh, and no, I think we're. I was going to really say the suspense is killing. Me. <laughs> no, figure figure talk. There's not much going on this week. Um, obviously game news, not much at all. Um, yeah, that's that. That wraps her up. And I just rambled for like ten minutes about fucking DVDs and Blu-rays. You probably just um, sold a bunch of D- uh, so Blu-rays, time, actually. Yeah, CD Japan, Amazon Japan. My friend on Twitter. Um, random pw thought he actually um he actually got me the 07 and 2013 kobashi dvds he also got me the all japan tag league dvd he got me my tickets to forbidden door um the commercial releases of departure and destiny jesus like he's he's the guy his his twitter bio is i can probably find any wrestling dvd that you want (laughs) he got me the fucking razor ramon blu-ray like he's yeah he's the guy man uh, I don't know. One of the Kobashi DVDs, the 2013 one, he got me that shit sealed. Jeez. That's crazy. In the 07, the big six DVD one from 07, like he sent me pictures of it from the auction. Like all, like the outer box is in like phenomenal shape. The two like digipacks are in phenomenal shape. That's a DVD that like, if you find it sealed, it's like 160 bucks. It, he's like, here it is like almost brand new $95. And I'm like, goddamn pal. Let's go. So, yeah, I've I've kind of I've kind of backslid into just wanting to collect Japanese figures and commercial releases again. And I, my my affection for current wrestling is kind of 
in in one of those weird spots now where it's like I enjoy Noah, I enjoy New Japan, I enjoy Glade. I have I, I just I actually just saw um Ishikawa, Shuji Ishikawa and Nagata from All Japan this year. Go out of your way to see that. Amazing match. Um Big Shuji is not washed. I don't know why I was hearing people say that for years. He is still that guy. Just great match. But um yeah, I've I'm glad that we're oh, you know what? I almost forgot to do this and hopefully this doesn't get cut off like the Jay Briscoe one. Um I'm bad with dates, recent ones at least. Um, last Friday, I believe it was, Dean Rasmussen from Death Valley Driver Video Review, uh, Message Board, and Newsletter fame passed away. I was not super close with Dean, but I had been reading his reviews for years. And if you read, if you read his reviews and you read like Phil Schneider's Way of the Blade, you read Ditch's write-ups and testimonials and a lot of um, Ditch's like, takes and opinions... Dean is the single most influential wrestling fan that I've ever been made aware of in my life. He influenced, like there's a straight line between him, ditch me and like everybody I've ever introduced to Japanese wrestling, which is a lot of people. And I'm probably not the only one that can claim that he's, if you're a Western battle arts fan, you have him to thank. If you're a Western, if you're Bix said this on the between the sheets tribute, like, if you're one of those people that searches out like guts world and like the Japanese Indies that, that all started with Dean. He was the one that made people over here aware of like the really obscure uh, Japanese stuff. I mean, survival to a versus Ken, the box probably got more viewings this last week than it had in the previous decade, because that's a match that he famously really liked and talked about. So like, yeah, go, if you can find it, I think um, virtual pros on Twitter they put up an archive on Google Drive of a bunch of the old DVD VR um, newsletters. His reviews are under Rasmussen, his last name. I've also heard it pronounced Rasmussen. I'm not sure. I've heard it pronounced both ways in the last week. So it is It is what it is, whichever one it is. I'm sorry if I said the wrong one initially. Um, but his writing style is super entertaining. He summed up the Tawei Tommy Dreamer match simply as this is the best Dreamer match and the worst Tawei match. And goddamn. <laughs> He's right. Um, but a lot of the conventional wisdom on the internet wasn't conventional wisdom until he kind of, he and the DVD VR playboys made it conventional wisdom. The Hashimoto worship, as somebody noted it on Twitter. Um, that's, that started with those guys. There's like a whole bunch of us that are like Westerners that fucking love Shinya Hashimoto that would have never loved him because the newsletter narrative was, he wasn't a fucking, he wasn't a work rate guy. Well, I love him. He, he might not have been like Kobashi in terms of doing a bunch of like shit in a match, but like didn't need to, he was Hashimoto. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a weird irony in me saying this about the guy. Cause one of the first reviews I ever remember reading of his was an all Japan match might've actually been six three ninety four, And we're talking about, you know, nineties all Japan this week, but we, we lost a guy who was, it, it's not even hyperbole the most influential wrestling fan of the modern era on the most influential wrestling website of the modern era. Um, without him, without DVD VR online wrestling discussion is a much, much different thing. Um, a lot of us would not be aware of a lot of wrestling that we really love. And I, uh, I thank him and I uh, hope you rest well. Cause, uh, he had a real big impact on me and a lot of other people, and it was really sad to get the news that he passed away. If you um, ever saw his SmackDown reviews, where he would draw 
pictures of the reviews as he was doing them. With his like Eddie Guerrero mm, and stuff. Yeah. They were always tremendous. Um Chris Zellner was with Phil Schneider and I believe Phil Rippa. They did like an hour and forty five or fifty minute uh tribute to Dean. It is an absolute must listen. They talk about the early days of DVD VR. They obviously talk a lot about Dean and who he was and his influence. It is a real shame we lost a guy like this. And it's a real shame that it sort of, to an extent, feels like he didn't know how wide his influence reached. Um, and I said it about Jay Briscoe. What was that, four months ago when he passed away? We got to start giving people credit while they're still here. We, we do. And, uh, you know, if there's if there's somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, you think about, you know, them, like, reach out to them. You never know. Like, none, nothing, nothing's guaranteed. And uh, I might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. None of us might be here tomorrow. We, we don't know. But uh, if there's one thing I can take away from Dean, it's maybe to try to leave more of a positive impact while I'm still here instead of just being an asshole to people. And I'd like to think through the podcast, we've introduced people to games. They might not have other tried otherwise or heard about otherwise or watched otherwise. But even if, even if that's the case, that's like, a that's this Randy Savage said to Hulk Hogan, it's a grain of sand in the Sahara desert compared to the influence that guy had. And uh, I kicked around DVD VR and pro wrestling only uh, for the first time in a long time this past week. And it, it felt familiar. It felt like home. And uh, I can't overstate how much those boards and the people in them meant to me as a teenager, as I was just getting into Japanese wrestling and to an extent, indie wrestling as well. Um, I, I message boards were, were the best man. Social media sucks. Like Twitter sucks. I know I use Twitter a lot, but like I miss the nuanced discussion and actual, like you had to know, about dvd vr to get on dvd vr there were no there were no vincels on there fucking screeching every time you said something negative about the wwe like we had our fucking like our walled gardens where like people talked about the wrestling they liked and didn't give a fuck what the outside world thought i miss that shit having said that uh that'll do us for this time two weeks we'll be back recording uh king of coliseum red and green can i just say i'm very much looking forward to this me too after some of the frustration that I felt, I'm looking forward to getting into um, just, I want to ch- see if I can find a, a flash drive and get the uh, the saves, complete saves for red and green and finally do the, the fuse disc thing like a real import gamer. I tried to do that, but I, I don't know where my action replay disc is. Uh, I know there's like a guide in one of the, I think it's a Gerald NG's guide. I think he has like the steps i want to at least try it once so i can feel like a real import gamer mm. but i don't know if, if you couldn't figure it out well uh, i wasn't I trying know. to actual discs let's put it that way oh you're i wonder how that does work with emulation like, a, is it even possible there's a way apparently like there's there's been guides posts about that but i tried it and it just wouldn't work for me maybe i'll give it another shot hmm. well i have actual hardware so maybe Maybe I'll be able to get it done, but that'll wrap us up for episode 23 on, is it ironic that we reviewed a game that isn't like super great on the, um, the episode that's the number of Michael Jordan's Jersey. It's also mother's day. If that means I feel anything. like we did Jordan dirty on this one. I don't know if that means uh, anything. <laughs> Sorry, mom.
yeah, I had to apologize to my mom yesterday. I kind of commandeered the living room television for like four hours and just watch like Dr. Death matches. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to, you know, but, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll do us. And next time you'll get to hear me talk about the, the first time I bought a PlayStation two flip flop, flip flop, flip top flip flops. And, uh, we, we, yeah, well, I, you know what? I haven't owned a pair of those since I bought my first PS2 never flip top, them. probably something subliminally real. Well, you live in Canada too. Yeah, but it's warm during the summer. Just, I just never bought any. Yeah, but I, I went to Canada in the summer of 07. I didn't see anybody in flip-flops. Oh, I see them a lot. It's just not my style. I saw, you know, a lot of people in Canada. I did not get to go to Toronto like I was promised. I might go to Toronto. Which is probably for the July. best because I would have just... I, I would have just run around Toronto like, hey, can I be on Degrassi? Just ask random people on the streets like, can I be on Degrassi? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. I, I would have, I mean, that's got to be how it works, right? Did you, uh, since you're up there, did, uh, did you see Degrassi's on like the Canadian Walk of Fame or some shit now? Oh, no. Yeah, shout outs to Degrassi. Uh, we we probably, that's a rabbit hole I don't need to go down no. right now. Um, but we'll see you guys next time. And until then, take care and uh, watch some goddamn Japanese wrestling. <laughs>